What's up, futurists? You're listening to the Business Podcast for Young People, and today we talk the business of music with David Dan. He's the founder of Mind of a Genius Records. It's an independent record label home to some amazing artists like Zoo, They, Gallon, and Klangstoff. If you've been at Coachella, you probably heard these names. David started his career as a DJ, then he decided to take his experience as an artist and bring that into his own universe with his own independent label. He values the creative process above all else and also houses this great diversity of genres, which I think is really interesting. He's been in the space for some time now, knows so much about the business of music, and I can't wait to dive in. What's lost on the experience of listening to music now? that you would want to change or bring back from a past era? It's a great question. I mean, listen, you still have concerts, right? You still have raves, you still have, I mean, not right this second, but you know, uh, in this in this current era before COVID, you still had those things. Um, I never grew up on vinyl heavy, so I can't say that like, I wish people had vinyl again, but um, I definitely wish there was a bigger emphasis on artwork in general, which you used to be able to do through CDs or through vinyl, obviously, like to tell a story of the artist, tangibly speaking, physically speaking. Um, now, the only way you really have to do that is through music videos and through Instagram, um, as you know, to, to reflect what you're trying to portray, um, besides just through the music. So I, I miss, definitely miss the ability to do that. I think artwork is a lost thing in music for sure. You know, we're living in crazy times, social unrest, racism is still rife in America. Right. Do you think as our streets are filled with protesters who are angry and upset at the establishment, that that will absorb into the lyrics and the themes going forward of music that we'll be hearing? I think thousand percent the next Nirvana, the next Marvin Gaye, the next, you know, massive life-changing artists is either pressing record on a song they're singing as we speak right now, or they have something in the vault that's going to come out and just completely speak to the youth and the way people are feeling globally right now um, and, and create a new wave of music for sure. Um, I mean, the music that was before this was a lot about like having money or showing off or flossing, which um, I'm so happy that I feel like that's going to come to an end because because the world simply is just not in a place where it can live in smoke and mirrors anymore. What I'm interested in, man, is the backroom combos. You know, do these record labels negotiate with Spotify for the specific payment, number of cents, what have you, per stream? Or does Spotify have this dynamic model of sorts? Or does it have a set, set system for cents or dollars per stream? We don't know, you know, we don't know. I just, we, have, we get paid through our distributor and um, we just try to drive as many streams and people to our songs as possible. And, you know, hope that it crosses a line of 10 or 15 million and then that starts becoming, you know, somewhat lucrative, but um, we don't know. I don't know the conversations that they're having between the, the, the major corporations, Spotify and back and forth, but there's definitely some sort of, you know, backroom conversation happening um, because those records get prioritized a lot more than independent artists do, but they're also spending a lot more money and driving a lot more traffic to Spotify than an independent artist has the power to do. So, of course, you're going to lean on making a better deal with the person that's going to bring you more audience than the other people. 
Yeah, and if we're really envisioning this backroom conversation, if we're thinking about, you know, uh, you know, a wooden table and some fancy office in LA. Right. Now, a, an artist was quoted who worked with Mind of a Genius. I think it was Gallon. They told me everything I didn't want to hear. Right. Which, in a, and they said that in a positive way. Right. Is transparency a problem with big record labels, big, big oh, studios? Yeah. Completely. I mean, transparency clearly is a problem in this country. So as you can only imagine, um, transparency within major corporations, whether it's music or car rental companies, right? doesn't really matter what it is, but um, is a huge issue. But business is built off of one person knowing something that another person doesn't. That's, it's just knowledge. Um, that someone has and someone else doesn't have. And I think Galant referring to that specifically was more so um, my critique on his music the first time that I met him. That I think he said he went home that, that night or week and really thought about everything I said, but it, like, it was all the stuff that, I was just so blunt in my, in my critiques, which I always am with people. And some people can take it one way or the other. And I'm not always right, but I'll tell you my feelings. And I think he took that as, you know, the right way, clearly, because the next album he made went to the Grammys. So do you think being blunt is kind of a lost art in business negotiations nowadays? Because we feel this compulsion to be polite and to be uh, sycophantic in some cases and, you know, blow smoke up the people we work with. Do you think, do you think that being blunt, like you said, in your interactions has saved you a lot of time and has saved you a lot of rather arduous negotiations that may have come after that? So yeah, I think that definitely it saved me a lot of time um, because I just, I don't really have, I don't, I don't really, I just don't really get into the conversations at the same level that I used to because it's, it's almost irrelevant because it's not driving the business forward a lot of the time. So um, it just depends on the type of leader that you want to be. I'm, I'm super empathetic and compassionate. Um, and I've been super vulnerable with my own struggles within my own organization. Um, but I've, I've felt that anytime you involve like emotion in business, it, it tends to backfire because business and money makes people very selfish and, and greedy, especially. So there's really no point to be polite or friendly when it comes to business. You definitely with your partners and, you know, people that you work with should have a level of decency that carries you forward because no one really wants to work with people that they don't like either. But um, I don't think politeness has ever made people more money. As an independent label, you have this strat where you don't bring in any of the business guys until the album is done. Why, right. is, that a, why is that a winning strategy? Because you think about maybe other creative endeavors, say a movie being made, there's like so much performa and a lot of calculation or, you know, you're a startup, you know, you never pitch someone to invest when the product's already done in most cases. Sure. So I'd love to hear about that strat. The music to most artists is so personal and it's such a sacred sort of space of like self-expression. Whereas movies I think are being manufactured and you're, you're obviously acting a role that you're not. Whereas music, you're not really acting or characterizing someone that you're not and it's like this especially with listeners like they really feel this sentiment of like sort of realness between you and the artist and I, I I try to preserve that during the creative process so that the business doesn't taint that side of the process but I've never you know it may work it may not work but 
I just try to keep them separate so that, you know, that there's the, the preservation of the, of the purity, but also, um, but also the, the interesting part is it is good to sprinkle a little bit of the business conversation during the process, but not bring those people in because the artist should have an idea. Like, listen, I'm working on music. Like, I should have a single, I should have a song in here. that's going to be easy to listen to. Not everything should be super intricate. Like, so you've got to think a little bit in that way also, but I don't think that it should be a hundred percent and a hundred percent. I think that it should be like a hundred percent making music and then maybe 20% conversations of how it's going to be packaged and all about while you're making the record. I think it's a well-known fact that creativity is inhibited by outside pressures. In the case of Warner Music, it just went public yesterday. It actually had a pretty damn good IPO. Right. You know, why is SpaceX not public? It's because Elon doesn't want to have public investors and Wall Street pressure a business that might take people to Mars, right? Right. Warner is now a public company, is an artist. Do I want to sign on with a record label that is at the behest of the ebb and flow of financial markets? I know it's a very higher level kind of vibration in that regard, but why, why am I... Why might like being a public company and being a record label like not be PB and J? It's a great question. Um, I think for the exact reason that you just said, record companies are so trend based, and they're basically there to amplify something that's already going on, and it has so much to do with the A and R, um, the ability of the executives, and. The first reason I wouldn't invest in a record company publicly is because the executives move around faster than anything else in the world. That's why I wouldn't invest because the executives can go from one company to the next in a, in a snap of a finger. And um, artists are constantly trying to get dropped by record companies that they sign to. There's a lot of money that gets deployed that doesn't make it back. I'd, I'd rather invest privately to understand who's in it, who's working it, <clears throat> what are the contracts between the executives and the companies themselves? You know, if the Lakers or someone was public, would you invest too? Like, I don't, I don't know that I would because if a star player leaves this, the, this, you know, the team or a star executive leaves the team, it can totally throw things upside down. You, a few centuries ago, um, the British Navy beat the Spanish Armada because the Spanish Armada had these huge massive ships and the British Navy had these agile, quick vessels that were just darting in between. What makes you agile in regards to these massive big boys in LA that you see every day and have probably yeah. worked with before? Yeah, no, I mean, we were with Warner, ironically, for a couple of years as our, as our investor um, and our partner. We, we left that venture last year, but I think the ad, and that's what I miss the most is what you just said is being agile and being able to make decisions and not have to get approval and not have to wait eight weeks for something to go through. I, I, I personally love moving quickly. Um, and I think in a, in a world where it's so ever changing, especially when it comes to music, you have to be able to move quickly. And, you know, a big ship only makes sense when you have a big rocket to pull, right? But um, when you don't and you have little moves that you need to be making every day, to just get a little bit closer to the, to the finish line, you can't do that within a, on a big ship. So unless you have a, a 
you know, a smash song that's already doing 10 million plays a day, then you can give it to the ship to deploy. But um, other than that, which is very rare that that's the case with most companies, um, you, yeah, being agile is a beautiful freedom that I took for granted before I did my deal. But being agile is extremely important. In media and entertainment, it's, it's honestly like quite a walled garden. Like there really isn't like one ladder to, to kind of get into it. Like you have with like investment bank, you know, like a lot of kids at business school or like consulting, you know, you really have to have connection. You really have to be a great networker to figure out a way in. Right. What's, what's your advice to students who want to get into to the business of music space? Um, I would say find someone that you look up to and try to get them to mentor you in the beginning. Um, that you'd want to be like or could see yourself being like, because I think learning from someone is so important. There's only two parts of the music business, really, when it comes to the creative. It's A&R and marketing. Um, everything else is operational. So I think that for someone that's looking to get in is definitely identify what your strengths are, know what the business has in terms of its positions of like open, but also be free to disrupt. I mean, there's plenty of people that have started companies that are like playlisting, plugging companies and artist marketing services that never existed a year ago that now all the labels are hiring. So um, I think be disruptive, have your feet to the, you know, your ear to the ground, but also um, try and work for someone or a company that you really think that like has the same morale as you do. And then through that process or internship, you can learn about what you like or don't like about, about the business. Ladies and gentlemen, that was David Dan. He's the founder and CEO of Mind of a Genius Records. Check out the discography on Spotify. It's super hype. Can't wait to pop with you guys tomorrow. Stay frosty and stay safe, team.